Welcome to VC for Stupid Idiots. We're your idiots, Marianne, Michelle, and Francesco. From pneumaticminds.capital. Here, we interview the best investors on the planet to learn their secrets and tell them a lot of bad jokes. Then, we use their knowledge to invest in emerging market startups. Because this is the most effective way to lift people out of poverty and make outstanding returns. If you want to see what we are investing in this week, please join us at nomadicminds.capital. Hello and welcome. This is VC for Stupid Idiots, where we are the idiots and... Cal York that we have here with us today is the superstar. Cal, why don't you tell us uh, some more about yourself? Yeah, great. Thank you for having me. Um, I love the the topic and the name of your podcast. It inspired me to join. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Um, yeah, so I'm Kyle York. I'm CEO and co-founder of York IE. Uh, we call ourselves a vertically integrated strategic growth and investment firm, and we focus on helping reshape the way startups are built scaled and monetized. Uh, oh, a lot of our awesome. specialty and experience comes from B2B software, but we have experience just with helping scale lots of, you know, internet uh, technology uh, SaaS businesses. Great. And like, what are you investing in at the moment? What is the hottest topic at right now? And don't say crypto. No, I don't say crypto. I think the, I think crypto is the hottest topic of in the one of the hottest topics of the future. Um, you know, we we do a lot of boring stuff to be honest. You know, we focus on business to business software, recurring revenue business models. We go really early. Um, we really like you know we come from a lot of my experience. I helped build a company called Dime that we sold to Oracle in 2016 for 600 oh, wow. million dollars. Um, and so we have a lot of infrastructure, um, your domain name, internet, data, uh, cybersecurity, DevOps, dev tools experience. And clearly as the internet goes more global and flattens the world, the need for reliable access uh, everywhere is really important. So a lot of our focus is kind of what we call down the stack. Um, but then we also will go up and we do a lot in um, horizontal, you know, MarTech, sales tech, HR tech. But we really also like vertical um, SaaS. So think specific to specific industries, modernizing those industries with software. Um, so that's kind of those are the kind of areas that you know, we pay a lot of attention to. Mm. So yeah. we, are, we are really famous for two things. One of the things is the first thing actually is helping startups from developing markets. So you were saying before, what is your take on developing markets? So like startups outside from the main areas, from outside from New York, outside from Tel Aviv, outside from Bay Area. Well, I have a special place in my heart for them because in America, I actually live in New Hampshire. Um, so New Hampshire is in New England. Uh, we live about an hour north of Boston and about four and a half hours from New York. Uh, and when I moved back here, this is my hometown, I had moved to California early in my career. And when I moved back here to help build my company Dine, uh, everyone told me I was an idiot. You know, how could you possibly leave the West Coast? How could you possibly build a tech company in New Hampshire, not in a major city, major market? How are you going to recruit the talent? And Who look at me now. So, wrong? <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, you know, that, and that, that, that type of thing, I think, is a really 
is that not like the most ingrained thing in an entrepreneur, that chip on their shoulder to say, tell me I can't do something and I will conquer that mountaintop. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs in emerging uh, up and coming markets, cities, countries, um, just have that swagger about them that they want to, they want to take on the world. And I just absolutely love that. Mm-hmm. And what would you say, like two emerging startups that want to get out there, what is the one thing that will help them to grow? Well, I always say companies who are going to grow and especially grow internationally, like, like can't, can't and shouldn't try to control the top of funnel and where uh, leads or prospects or opportunities come from. Uh, in this digital age, the internet has made access a heck of a lot easier. So I think it's really um, nail your messaging, nail your positioning, stand for uh, certain things. And we call it drumbeat marketing. Uh, beat that drum every single day on own, <laughs> like on own yeah. channels, earn channels, and then someday on paid channels to drive as much velocity, awareness, community building as you can, and then follow the data, right? Where, where you know, Go where your customers are, and that's the way to really stand out from the crowd. And again, you're seeing with COVID and the global pandemic, you're seeing the flattening of the world happen even faster and more accelerated. And you know, 10, 15 years ago, if you were a startup founded in, even in London or Amsterdam or Tel Aviv, every single one of them were told they had to move headquarters to the to Silicon Valley or New York. That's not happening anymore. Those companies can stay there. They might put boots on the ground in America, in North America, but you know, it's only 23% of, of the world here in North America. Big market, don't get me wrong, but you know, there's a lot of business to be had everywhere else. Yeah, so in which region right now would you say is, is going to be booming? Well, it depends. I mean, we do business to business software, right? So, you know, a lot of our focus is, you know, bringing automation and capability and workflows to the cloud, to the internet as SaaS. Um, and what we're seeing is that, um, you know, where people are based and where they live using the software has become irrelevant. Like it's almost B2B2C in a way where the consumers, me or you who work at a company, and I expect the same user experience on a web application I would use for work that I do on Netflix or Spotify, right? So I think that's just kind of flattening the world. When it comes to markets, um, you know, we were building Dyn, one of our biggest emerging markets was the Asia Pacific region. We, we went, a lot of American companies go first to English speaking Europe, right? And so we ended up we had a big office in Brighton, England. Uh, then we ended up with an office in Amsterdam. Um, but we started to see a ton of action in Singapore, Australia, Hong Kong, um, these emerging markets that were getting more and more comfortable buying from you know international companies, maybe based in America, yeah. based in the UK, uh, based in Europe. Um, so again, the, the whole internet's growing. Um, it's over 7 billion you know, uh, people on the planet uh, leveraging the internet with, with loads and loads of devices. So all of those markets and industries, uh, are, all those markets are being approached by industry uh, to really to really accelerate. Ooh, that, that, that's a great answer. I like it. And yeah, so this, the, the second thing we're famous about is actually jokes, but not good jokes, like awful jokes. So do you know what, what's the coldest letter of the alphabet? <laughs> um, C for cold? No, it's B because in the middle of AC. And yeah, so is there any, like, is there any, like, let's say connection, like looking back on your successes, okay, both as a, let's say, operator, entrepreneurs, and then now investor, is there anything you kind of realize, okay, every success of mine, every success of witnesses has this thing, 
Like one mm-hmm. thing that you think contribute the most or without it, it will never be a success. Which one will it be? Uh, I, I honestly think the the biggest thing personally for me has been I've found like an, an innate ability to connect myself um, passionately, whether I was a founder or not, to the company, the market, the industry, the product, the capability, the value proposition of what I was doing in that moment. Um, a lot of people can't find the hooks in their work where they just absolutely love it, right? Um, so I think that's personally, um, for company-wide success, it's complementary parts, right? Like you can build good complement, you'll never be successful, right? So I actually just tweeted earlier today about this. Like a lot of times people think about complementary parts just across executive teams, but it's actually complementary parts of like, what type of sales leader did you hire? And what do they need? around and under them to be successful. Same in marketing, same in product development and R&D, same in business operations, same in finance. The orgs are built based on complementary parts and these are the companies that end up being the most successful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So basically you you recommend, so as a most important thing is like passion because the passion will drive you through, let's say, finding a solution to the problem. And the problem is always finding what the clients want and how to reach them. Right. Something like that. Okay. Yeah. And like another question, like, do you know why French people it's names? Nah. Because they 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 hate fast food. And okay, so and what about the failure part? So for instance, I'll give you I'll give you my 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 take. So as soon as I see a founder and the founder is just talking about the product, 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 and it's kind of is deeply he deeply know inside himself that the product is enough to become successful. For me, it's a, it's a big red flag, okay? What is your biggest one? The one is... Okay, well, well, just so you know, we have, we have a term for that too. I call that the product out approach to company building. Doesn't work. We, we call it the market in approach to company building. You need to know your competitors, your comparators, your buyer, right? Like, like your value prop. You need to look at the landscape, what's been done before, where's the market headed. Uh, that market and competitive intelligence and that market in approach is critical. Um, from a failure perspective, um, You know, a lot of this is hindsight for me. You know, when I had a lot of success building my career to be in the position I am now, I was young, right? Late 20s into my early 30s. And I didn't have a ton of experience. And I, I think even then, um, I didn't, as a mistake, as a, as a executive of a fast growth startup, I don't think I embraced and um, collaborated and, and communicated as clearly as I thought to my board and to my investors about my own limitations and about my own, you know, team of complementary parts I needed to for me around me i was a chief revenue officer and i needed a lot of operations and analytics and you know really focused executors beneath me to be successful and be me right um, but i think i tried to be all those things because that's what i thought i was supposed to be right mm-hmm. and in hindsight you know looking back those are some of the things the other thing i'd say just about failure in general is um failure is all relative right like it's not so binary i think success isn't so binary that's all so relative like my success you know when i'm in a room with larry ellison when i worked at oracle i look like a, an ant you know he's worth 85 billion dollars today right um but i know i'm also incredibly successful as it relates to other people but i've made a lot of failures along the way so i think if you if you learn from those failures and you don't treat them as such a like make or break uh thing and it, you can evolve and iterate and turn those to turn those failures into successes So you've built like a, a huge wide range of successes. Like you've always been successful in, in everything that you do. So what do you think sets you apart from the rest? 
Uh, I think I have a very, very large ambition. Um, I think I work harder than everybody else. You know, um, I've got a ton of energy, um, but that energy is fueled by back to what I said earlier, my passion for what I do. I actually think today though is probably I'm in the position now with York IE building and we're building a company of operators, helping operators through software, through services and through capital. Right. When you think about that, I think this is the most authentic, genuine company I've ever worked at or, or built because that's actually what gets me out of bed every day. Right. Helping other entrepreneurs be successful and not just with money. Right. Not passively getting our hands dirty, being in the game, being accountable to results, outcomes, growth, but doing that not for just one company that unfortunately ends up being fleeting. We sold Dine, Oracle owns it. It's now theirs to do what they want with it right or wrong, right? York IE is now my evergreen company that I can run. Hopefully I'm building a McKinsey meets Bain meets Gartner meets Forrester that, you know, 25 years from now, you're saying, wow, we really love, we had that idiot on that podcast, right? So I I, I just believe that that sort of um, altruism of what I'm building and the genuineness of what I'm building um, enables me now to accomplish even greater things than I've been able to in my past. No, I love energy. I love how you find purpose in what you do as well, right? Because I feel like that also gives power to your success investment so far. That's a great question. I mean, the biggest I've ever had from a straight finance perspective is a company called Fastly, which is public and I think peaked over $12 billion in value. Uh, but it was when I was an angel investor and advisor while I had a day job. Right. Um, York IE is a firm is only two years old. So there's some runaway successes you can tell are growing really, really fast. Their ARR is going three, you know, 300% a year, um, are growing really fast, but it's early, right? Like those are all very early. Um, the biggest success I've had is absolutely dying. And, you know, that was more of an investment of obviously my time, energy, effort, blood, sweat, tears, you know, all of it. Um, But it's kind of hard to pinpoint, you know, from a straight investment perspective, just because there's, you know, we've done 30 deals in two years and they're all still new and private. But what I will proudly say, um, just this week, uh, right in the beginning of November, uh, when we we're recording this, um, a company called Spark was our first exit as a firm. Um, so, you know, nice exit, uh, female founder. Uh, she did incredibly well for herself and her family. Um, and it was only 18 months after our investment. So it was a nice quick return. Um, and we were super happy for her because again, at the end of the day, it's not just you know getting 100x returns. It's about making sure entrepreneurs get wins in the win column and are are, are incredibly successful. So yes, when you met, so this actually reminds me a lot of uh, these this baker that I knew back in town that he stopped making donuts. Do you know why? Why? <laughs> no, he got he, he got tired with, to the whole thing. Uh, so but going back on us, uh, did you get it or was my Italian accent too thick? It's tough. It's tough, but yeah, yeah. You guys think that if two vegans get into an argument, they still have beef? <laughs> okay. Yes. So, no, actually, like, no, one thing is actually serious. Uh, Anna, it's difficult to keep up with the serious stuff after you say some virtually stupid thing. Um, um, so, but, like, when you met this, this founder, okay, the one you did an exit with, what were the traits? So, it was a success. Do you agree with me that it was a success? Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And that's okay. what I mean about success being relative. Like a traditional VC might look at that and go, yeah, see, no, what the no, heck no, did you sell no. for? And I'm like, no, because again, we are trying to align ourselves 
with entrepreneurs and operators as an operating extension of their team. We just so happen to have capital to also be able to yeah. put skin in the game and have fuel on the fire. But for her, I mean, I, I honestly believe, I think the biggest thing that we're looking for these days is, you know, you hear a lot about product market fit, but what about founder market fit, yeah, right? Like, like so many people start companies where they have like, it's like irrelevant, it's random. It's like, it's like I'm building the Uber for blah or the Airbnb for blah or the Spotify for blah. And it's like, okay, good idea, but anybody can come with an idea. Why are you most relevant to tackle that problem? And why yeah. would I bet on you and your team to execute towards that big vision of yours, right? Um, the, the other thing is um, I, I firmly believe in... Um, we see three types of startups. We see startup one that is like, you know, maybe it's a vertical SaaS business or it's got a small total addressable market, but man, do they have a clean execution plan. But then you look at them and you're like, is this even like a venture backable business? How big can it really get? How successful can it get really get? It's like yeah. small, small, right? Then we see on the other side of the coin, massive vision. I've got a $20 billion total addressable market. I'm going to take on the world. I'm going to compete with Microsoft and, and Google and now Facebook meta, whatever. Right. And you're like, but you got no plan, right? Like, what are you talking about? It's, it's a great story, but I don't believe it in your numbers or your projections or your early proof. Yeah. The best companies we see are both, right? They've got a huge vision, a large market opportunity, but they're super practical and they work all the way back to day zero with a plan that unlocks the next phase of their growth along the way. That to me is what separates every great uh, founder from wh whether or not they're going to be your success or not. Mm -hmm. So great founders are the ones that go big ambitions, okay, but practical plans, more steps to actually achieve the first, the first, the first steps to this big ambition. Totally, and I mean, listen, I I always say my two like core like personal mission stuff is like be loyal, play the long game, right? Um, have yeah. a great team, have great people around you. Um, don't just think in the minute or the month or the quarter or the year. You gotta, you gotta, you know, dial it all together. If you have a long game vision, whether it's for your career, for your company, for your family, whatever, if you have a long term vision and ambition for yourself, work it all the way back. And then the decisions you make along the way, make sure you stay in the lanes, in the guardrails of does this help me achieve the vision, the ambition, the life, the happiness I want for myself? And that's not for anyone else to decide. That's that's on you, right? So I think that's just critical. We look for that in founders. We don't. We spend a lot of time getting to know them, where they're from, their upbringings, what motivates them, what they're playing for. Um, you know, all the different things kind of come into the mix uh, when we when we evaluate companies. Yeah, this is the thing. So going back on the successful entrepreneurs, you back then now she exited. What were the trades? then you recall seeing her back in time that made you say yes and a posteriori. Well, right now you can say, okay, I can see right now why she was successful because during the first meeting, she say X, for instance, or she was really Y. Yeah. So I think I've already talked about a bunch of them. It was market and market in, and it was passion. Mm -hmm. But I think for her, um, you know, we saw a lot of like honesty and you know, self-awareness around her strengths, her weaknesses, where she needed help. Um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs aren't very coachable, right? Like, yeah. like we're not the we're not the best uh, you know investor slash strategic partner um, to help you if if you're not coachable, right? If you've got yeah. all the answers, um, it's not for us. Because by the way, in every including this podcast, 
in every discussion I ever have, I'm learning too. I'm listening. I'm not just your great jokes, but also like the way you ask the questions, the way you think about it, the way you've architected what you're doing. Like I learn a lot too. And I take that away with me to the next thing I'm going to do. And so we saw that specifically in this entrepreneur, that willingness to learn, to collaborate, to adapt, to be self-aware, and then to iterate on her own uh, personal growth as well as her company growth. And that's why she ended up with a nice win in the win column. And by the way, her vision carries on now in a great company, a strategic that's now acquired her. She's now an executive at this company. Um, and, you know, the, the future the future is very bright. I love that story. Congratulations to her. Definitely. Yeah, she's excited. It actually just announced today, too. So I, can, I actually, while we're talking, I'm getting a text from one of our investment partners asking for the details. Uh, <laughs> uh, they must have seen, they must oh, have seen the funny. post on social media. Yeah. Got it. So how do you call a cow in an earthquake? What was it? How do you call a cow in an earthquake? What? A milkshake. So, um, oh, you okay. guys, you know, I actually heard a joke about boxing the other day, but... I think I miss, missed the punchline. Oh my, do you guys use the same ones or like, like, no, like so you, every are, time. okay, you better because you'd really bore each other if you didn't like, if you like, didn't, you know, do some work and get some new ones. That's good. No, we yeah, we're we're totally bring it. I'm telling you like so far we've been drawing like a like hundred of jokes. None of them were good. So don't expect anything better. Um, yeah. So shall we go to the fire question, Marianne? Let's do it. Are you ready? So how it works is I'm going to ask you three super fast questions and you answer in one word or one sentence. It'll be very difficult. Very difficult for me, as you can already tell. Hmm. Are you ready? Ready. Three, two, one. What advice would you give to other angels? Only do it if you're going to do it consistently. Favorite tech right now? York IE's fuel platform. Favorite person? My wife. Oh, that's nice. Favorite place to be in the world? With my family. I love New Hampshire, live free or die. That's three sentences, sorry. Brownie points for real there. <laughs> Thanks so much, Carl York. This has been great. I love your insights. I love your passion. I love your energy. And I'm taking a lot from this podcast, as you said, as well. For well, thank you. And, and just remember out there, entrepreneurs, like know what you're playing for, right? Like at the end of the day, I'm playing for my family, giving them a better life, you know, making an impact on my community, on my team, on the companies I work with. Like that's exciting. So make sure you find your hook and what you're playing for. And that's that's how you'll know you'll be in great shape in the end. That's good. Thank you so much, Kyle. It's been great. And yeah, yeah let's catch up soon. And to our five listeners, let's catch up for our new podcast. <laughs> well, thank you. And let me know when you guys post.